Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to y'all just from the close of UFC 291 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Latest UFC pay-per-view and another great night, honestly. It's been uh, two pay-per-views in a row now. We got this one coming on the heels of UFC 290, where we have just had excellent pay-per-view cards from the UFC. No, we're getting spoiled for all all the shit we talk about, the bullshit cards they put out, which end up being okay most of the time. Uh, This, as advertised, was stacked going in, and from top to bottom, it absolutely delivered. Yeah. I mean, there were so many beautiful finishes, a couple things I did not care for, but we'll get to that. Um, But... I mean, early, early excitement, late excitement, the main event delivered. Uh, I don't, I mean, man, what a fantastic card. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got, we got what, two decisions the whole night through. So, and even if, okay, one of those was actually just a really bad fight, but uh, even if Pereira, uh, Blachowicz wasn't all that, thrilling it still was a very important fight so like the whole way through watching it you know not the prettiest fight in the world but i'm still tense the whole way feeling that pressure feeling the moment um so yeah no all all things all things considered just you know how how can i walk away from complaint with complaints after a night like that after seeing justin gagey get it back on dustin poirier the way he did I mean, man, like Dustin Poirier, like you know, I know he's not he ha- he's been knocked out in the past, but it's been a while, you know. His last mm-hmm. time getting knocked out was in 2016, and he has looked great. He has looked so defensively tight these past few years. He's looked so on point. I really did not think that Justin Gagey was going to knock him out. I know Gagey's got the power to do it, but... Not like that. Not with a head kick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... bananas. It was awesome. Showed off the danger, though, of of active hand, defensive hand parrying and all that, because that was, you know, Poirier was swiping that, that that hand down, that right hand down. Saw it coming in, and... The kick coming right behind it, even even getting his hand back in position, it was just that split second from here back to here was too much. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's yeah. what my my Muay Thai coach Harvey Grassy he calls it touch and go. You just mm-hmm. you're you're not you're not throwing your hand out there to land a strike if it lands cool, but that's not the point. The point is yeah. to disguise the kick. And they're so focused on on blocking what's going towards their face straight on that they don't see the kick wrapping around. Mm-hmm. And damn, Gaethje hit it perfectly just like Leon Edwards did in the I- same building against yep against Usman must be the magic of uh the mormons you know it's the <laughs> maybe there's something to that polygamy <laughs> it's the thetans the thetans wrap the leg or wrap the shin around the back of the head out there <laughs> dustin or you know dustin poirier is out there getting his own planet right now whatever however that works well he definitely got sent there that was he a does. nasty head kick Definitely did some astral traveling. Wow. So, I mean, the fight itself was beautiful up until that point. Yeah. It, it, it was so it, it was just as great as the first fight, but I mean, very different. Like this was much more technical brawling. The first fight was just car crashes. This yeah. fight looked like elite top shelf world class fighters going at it. And they both, I mean, they've honed this crazy striking brawling style to the point where, especially for Gaethje, that's the biggest improvement he's made thus far is is not being so reckless and actually uh, commanding the cage. Like, and and that's 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 a that's a huge thing in MMA. And as MMA gets bigger and and more and more people start from a younger and younger age. Um, it's kind of you have to learn more and more fundamentals when you start and and being able to command the cage is is one of those and Gaethje commanding a cage and not just putting himself in harm's way ooh, that's a championship caliber fighter yeah i mean it's a big thing that uh uh you know his coach what is it team elevation it's uh who whitman yeah whitman, whitman. It's a big thing Whitman's been bringing to Gagey for a while now where they've really tried to get him off of the pressure brawling, which marked so much of his early career, where he would just go forward being a wild man. And all of what we've seen out of Gagey in recent fights has been a guy who he might strike first, like he did tonight. He actually led most of the striking exchanges with Poirier but he always let Poirier make the first move into range. And that kind of, you know, the downside of that is like that moment where Poirier stung Gagey with a really hard cross where it's like, okay, if you're going to let Poirier make the first move all the time, then sometimes Poirier is just going to, he's going to catch you cold. He's going to have the chance to set some things up. But the other side of that is that with Gagey, out there not overthrowing with him not following his combinations through to the point that Poirier could counter him. He's being able to, you know, let Poirier, let Poirier bring himself into the danger zone rather than running himself onto strikes and letting his own momentum carry himself onto strikes. Because The first fight was really marked by Gagey pressuring a lot. Poirier circling out and Poirier countering as Gagey came forward. It's something Poirier is really good at. So resetting the tone for this. I mean, I kind of thought like Gagey does this. I don't know. I think Poirier is just too clean. to. He's too technical to let him lead like that. 
he's going to be able to crack Gagey the way he did and hurt him the way he did. But Gagey was really smart about making sure that the moment Poirier entered entered into that middle distance, Gagey met him with strikes every time. So that he was firing first. And by the time Poirier stepped back to reset, Gagey stopped. He didn't chase him at all. So there was nothing there for Poirier to pick up on. And I think, you know, what we saw with the finish is Poirier getting, having to get a little chancier, get a little more aggressive and a little more wild himself. And, you know, he over he overcorrected on that strike that Gagey threw, swatted it down, looking to move in. And the kick was just right there, right behind it. That was gorgeous. Absolutely really gorgeous. Was. And Gaethje, he had a mindset shift, really. I remember when he was in the World Series of Fighting right before he left, uh, he was talking about, you know, I only have X amount of fights with this style. I know it's crazy. So I'm going to try to get in there and get as much money as I can in these set amount of fights. Well, he did that, right? And then he gets to the UFC and he does that, put on, puts on these exciting fights. But he realized, holy shit, I am actually, I could make a run, a legit run and, and possibly be a world champion. And he starts cleaning up his act and dialing it in. And this is, is a culmination of that. This is his, his smartest performance to date. Too, he got, you know, he got his eyes fixed. Like that, you can also mark like the difference in Gagey as a pressure fighter to Gagey as a more patient back foot fighter. A lot of that kind of started right when he got his vision fixed, and suddenly he can see what you know (laughs) what the distance is. He doesn't have to close it himself to depend on being, you know, okay. I can see the person clearly right here, so I got to be right here. (laughs) And now he got his nose fixed too, so you know he's actually been like going through the personal upgrades too, as well as the fighting style. So yeah, no, total, total. Uh, he's getting buffed. Yeah. Getting that, getting that $6 million man, you know, you have to, honestly, how much does LeBron James uh, spend on his body annually? Oh no. It's, uh, it's well over a million dollars. Oh, of course. Just yeah. on his body, like just on his body. Well, I mean, you're talking about, uh, something's going to make you hundreds of million do- uh, millions of dollars each year. You got to protect it. And for, yeah, you know, for MMA, yeah, sure. That's maybe $5,000 a year comparatively, but you know, but little things like this yeah. or even, even guys who have scar tissue removed. Yeah. Like these are, these are little things that kind of don't seem like big deals, but it can matter a lot. It, it sure. really, it really can. So now of course we've already got our title fight set. We've got uh, Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira, too, out there in front of us. And uh, but it's hard to deny that Gagey's probably got the next spot in line after that. Oh, he has to. Yeah. You can't, you can't. Kicking Dustin Poirier in the head is the coolest thing going on in the division, period. Yeah. Hands down. There's nothing cooler going on than that. It's true. Period. Um, and that's exactly why McGregor's out there talking his shit on Twitter, calling of for course. a fight with Justin Gaethje, who is a G and will not even acknowledge that more than likely. Um, yeah. It's like a reverse bag. It's weird. It's it's really weird. But he doesn't even want the Chandler fight now. He says, forget Michael Chandler. I want Justin Gaethje. If I were Gaethje, I'd take it. 
Well, I mean, it's, you know, you got to depend, too, on whether or not you can, by taking that fight, can you actually score any extra pay-per-view percentage out of that? Yeah, I mean, financially, you have to. It's it's yeah. Conor McGregor. But if a- the UFC is not willing to give you an extra piece of that pie, then, you know, you, you got to you, you go after the title first. Yeah, absolutely. But if McGregor wants it, it's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's true. Chandler getting left out there in the cold. Uh, it's the fight it, business. It like, is. It is. It's the fight business. You do what you got to do in this. You, you do what you're told. <laughs> you do what you're told. Now, nah, but Justin, he he's the people's champion, BMF champion. Yeah. Um. You know, say what you want about it. It's a gimmick title, but sure. it it is. It feels way more appropriate than the first BMF fight. I mean, the, it, if the UFC would be sold on these gimmicks, I am, I'm all for it. I love gimmicks. I got no problem with gimmicks. It's just that the UFC always kind of feels like they have like one foot out the door on these things. You know, and the first time they did it, it really just kind of felt like, okay, we threw a belt in between Jorge Masvidal and Nate, Nate Diaz. Diaz and like, they're both dudes who deserve that kind of recognition for their careers, mm-hmm. but it, it never came up again. You know, like Masvidal just kind of stuck it in the closet and it just lived there. We didn't, it wasn't ever a thing again. If you're just going to do that, then I, it's never going to feel, it's never going to feel that fun. It's always just going to feel like a stupid thing that you're just throwing in the middle of, of some fight that you want people to think of as bigger Sure. And I mean, I'm I'm sure it was a yeah. one-off when it was created. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, well, maybe this could actually be like an annual thing. And then it, now it's exactly. the inter, inter it's the intercontinental title. Yeah. And the thing that should be, even honestly, you really want to do it upright is whoever you throw the you put the belt on Justin Gage, the BMF belt on Justin Gagey. Any time, any fight he win, he, he win or lose doesn't show up like a complete badass. You strip him and you make a new BMF title fight. You know, like okay, if you really want to do it right, the the accolade, you know, yeah, you, no, this and, is. I mean, this it's is... just engaging. He's never going to go out there and wrestle somebody, so you don't really have to worry. He doesn't have to worry about that, but. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you can absolutely wrestle someone and still be a bad motherfucker. Let's, well, okay, sure. Let's, let's let's get that out there. But okay. no, I like what you're saying though. Like, yeah, as long as you can maintain your status of BMF, you can keep the belt. But the second that's gone, whether you retire or you put up a stinker or a dud, yeah, it gets... you have a staring contest for 15 minutes. We're taking that belt home. Yeah, and, 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 and mo- any division, you know. Yeah, and the fans have to vote. Well, no, no fan voting. Every time the fans what? vote, we end up with some stupid shit. Ah, uh, yeah, you get like Patty Pimblet in there or something. Yeah, you get where you get, you know, you get your like the the crypto thing where they vote. They open the voting at the start of each card, and by the end of it, like some dude who lost like the worst fight of the night gets the big bonus because, you know. Yeah. All that, but I'm just saying, there's a lot you could do with this. And Ooh, never mind the fighters' vote. You had the fighters' vote. Mm. 
Nah, you had the fighters vote. There's no one that's going to be. There's no one would say Dustin Poirier or or Justin Gaethje weren't deserving of that. Okay. No, no, nobody. I, I'm. I think you got to have like a secret panel. You got to have a secret panel that votes. Nah, it's it's it one of those. It could be some fighters. It could be some fans. It could be some. It has yeah. to be a general consistent. Con, which like is which is why someone. I don't think anybody should vote on it. You should have one smart person who has their ear to the ground, and they just say, "No, it's this." No one man should have that much power, Zane. Come, no, come on, on come on it could be me i'm not saying it should be me i'm just saying it could all be. right it would have to be both of us okay we, okay. we could be the yin and the yang to the exactly BMF we can be the secret because obviously yeah. we are the end all be all of what's bmf and what is it? yeah exactly and nobody <laughs> nobody has the ear of ufc matchmakers better than we do well i mean honestly i don't think we're that bad <laughs> We could uh, we could easily be matchmakers. I don't want no. I've 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 talked I've heard from Julie Kenzie. That's like a it's a nightmare of like flowcharts and organizing. I don't want to do that. No, you can do that. You you get that can be your job. I'll be the I'll be not, the figurehead. But the it's not that for for BMF. It's not that many. Like there's not no, that many true. people. Like these okay, people okay. have to come to mind. Yeah. Let, let's move on here. We got a light heavyweight to, fight to talk about. Alex Pereira, Jan Blachowicz, and... Should have been a title fight. Should Probably should have been a title fight. Um, I needed he, five rounds of that. Yeah, well, not, not in Salt Lake City, I didn't. These boys were tired by the end of that fight. I didn't need Jan, two more Jan rounds. Jan was tired by the end of that fight. Pereira, Pereira, Pereira was tired, too. It's just that his, his striking form is so much more innate and practiced as a top level kickboxer that his his game doesn't fall off as bad as Jan who he's a bit more of an MMA native, you know. He doesn't he doesn't have the that that smooth connectivity and fluidity to his striking quite so built in. But he did look really tired. Yeah, I, I, that that wrestling at elevation really zapped mm-hmm. him. That was yeah. clear. And he tried yeah. like he was trying to finish in that first round. So credit to him. He had the dominant yeah. position. He was on the back, several rear naked choke attempts. Just keeping that position is tough in and of itself, especially for that long with a body triangle. Yeah, you um, could tell too when he was falling off the side because he couldn't get his left arm free. You could see just how much energy it, it took for him to constantly try and shift back up and stay on the back. And it just, I mean, that had to be sapping. Yeah, it's very gassing, especially that's not you're not a back take guy like that's not your thing. So how how conditioned are you to maintain back control for that long? You know? Yeah, absolutely not. But yeah, that should have been for a title. That's kind of I mean, they even it seemed like they even leaked. There was that whole thing about like the UFC telling their their uh, bar partners and their uh, pay-per-view host partners that like, oh, there's two title fights in this card, the BMF and the light heavyweight title. And then they were, you know, told everyone immediately after the moment that hit the news, like, oh, no, 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 typo, typo. And even when they were denying it, I'm still thinking, just waiting that extra two days until Dana White comes out and says, you know, guess what, everybody? We got another title fight on this pay-per-view. <laughs> and, you know, because they always like to set everything up themselves. Yeah. Um, But it didn't happen. And... 
that said, I do think the next move is pretty obvious here, which is that Alex Pereira, he walked out with the win. It wasn't the prettiest win in the world, but he almost certainly will fight again in probably four months' time against Yuri Prashaska for the light heavyweight title. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic also. Exactly. Oh, by the way, I, I, I picked Jan going into this. So did um, I. So did I. Mostly because I expected him to be able to out-wrestle Pereira. And he did. And not get um, not get completely just starched on the feet. And he didn't. And he didn't. Um, minutes before the fight, I tweeted out that I fucked up. And then mm. I, I realized that Alex Pereira is 205. Like, he is yeah. light heavyweight. He is. He is a light heavyweight kind of fighter through and through. So w- with that, I was like, okay, and he's training with Glover, like intimately training with Glover nonstop all the time. I picked Pereira by de- – I switched my pick to Pereira by decision so when, or, or Pereira by submission. So when I saw my submission, yeah. So when I saw him lock up that standing guillotine in the first, I was like, oh, no way, no way. You, Um, you would have been, (laughs) I, I would have respected that every bit as much as I will now denigrate it. You (laughs) foolish fool. Pereira by submission. What are you thinking? Yeah, he's getting good in his grappling, man. He's he's getting better at it. He's getting better at it. He's still he's getting better than people would think. Like he's yeah. not just a kickboxer. For he him, still got he, stuck. But sure, but that anti-grappling, yeah. him surviving those rear naked choke attempts, not getting pounded out. Like sure, staying yeah. competitive, knowing what to do in those positions, knowing to look to his corner for advice when he doesn't know what to do, which he did often, and and doing everything right. I mean, everything textbook to not get submitted. That's that's some fantastic anti grappling. It's a credit to him, no question. He's gonna get a submission one of these days. I'm telling you. <sighs> maybe I could see it. Maybe against like Yuri Prashaska. Just because Prashaska is so wild and will like throw himself into any wild position. Yeah, oh, it would. It's going to be a standing guillotine, standing rear naked choke, something to that effect for sure. But I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to pick that in my entire life. I'm never going to pick Alex Pereira by submission. That was a nice standing guillotine. It it was for a second. It was nice for a second. (laughs) Never going to pick it. But yeah, I think we'll see that Prashaska fight next. My guess is sometime early next year because Prashaska, you know, they talked about like, oh, I won't be ready by uh, August, which was what he was originally thinking they wanted to do. But it was like, oh, I'll I'll sign, you know. <laughs> okay. True. Yeah. <laughs> Jan uh, is still breathing heavy in the hotel room. I. No, I I got tired watching him get tired out there. That altitude is no joke. I used to live in Colorado. That shit will wear you out so in such a weird way that you don't think because you you know it's not like you get out there and you're like oh the air feels so thin up here. You're like okay everybody's living and running around. People are living their lives. This is fine. 
And then you go do something and like halfway through it, you're just like, oh my God, this sucks. And it just doesn't get, and if you're not acclimated well, it just doesn't get better. You can't catch your breath back up. Like there's no, I'm going to get a second one. This is like what Cain Velasquez found out when he was fighting in Mexico City and Mm -hmm. he didn't do any prep and he just went there and was like, oh, I'm going to be cardio Cain in Mexico City. It's like, no, you're not. No. You're really not. Yeah. There's a reason people use oxygen when they climb mountains. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but I will say, if there was ever a time to stop cutting all that fucking weight and move up a division, it was at 4,000 feet of elevation. It's true. Ferreira, genius, genius move. <laughs> genius move. Oh, we're, we're fighting in, in Salt Lake City? Yeah, I'm, I'm not cutting weight here. He still came in at like 230 pounds or something. He looked great, though. Yeah, he did. He looked healthy. All right. So let, let's let's jump over. I lost my train of thought, whatever it was. Wasn't important. Derek Lewis, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. This was my sadness hedge of the night. What? I, oh, oh I, okay, okay. Yeah, I came in. I'm, I'm like, you know what? I think Marcos Rogerio de Lima is just going to leg kick Derek Lewis and it's going to suck. And Derek Lewis is going to get TKO'd and that's it. And it'll be not fun. It, you know, it won't be bad for Marcos Rogerio de Lima. He deserves his spot. He deserves his moment, but it won't be fun. It won't be as fun as a Derek Lewis win is fun. So I was really ready to be sad for this. And Derek Lewis blew the goddamn doors off the place. I he I'm I don't doubt for a moment that he didn't know what he was gonna do. Marcos Rogerio de Lima sure as hell didn't know what he was gonna do. And I mean it's funny because I've seen so many fights in the past where Derek Lewis says he started a lot of his fights with like a jumping switch kick mm-hmm. or a jump knee mm-hmm. or something wild where you know, he's got that explosive ability to throw something out there. And you're just like, oh, holy shit, did Derek Lewis just throw a flying switch kick at somebody? And it's been there in the past, but it's never worked like that. And you can you can be, you can bet like that was such a deer in the headlights moment for Marco Sagerio de Lima. Like you see Derek Lewis take that double <laughs> step where you're like, This man is running at me. Yeah. And you know you got to get out of the way. He had you, he, you know. It's worse too because this is fight yeah. speed, and this yeah. is the start of the fight. You don't exactly. even you haven't had a single moment to adjust to it or anything. It's just go, and you no. got a, a a freight train just <laughs> coming yeah. right at you. Oh man, bless his heart. Marcos Ajaya de Lima feels like every deer that has been hit by a semi truck ever right now. If the if the deer were still alive, I mean, man, that yeah, beautiful, and he looked great. Like physically, he looked in shape. Yeah, Derek, Derek Lewis looked in shape. He looked like he's been training. Yeah, he did. That's that's great to see. Stuck to a diet at least for a day. He reported. That's huge. Yeah, and I mean, the man has freak power in that heavyweight division and in heavyweight. Power reigns supreme. You got to have the power. You got to have the durability. Lewis has always been a little shaky on the durability back and forth, but the power has always been there. 
And then he got that awesome post-fight speech, taking his damn pants off in the ring. Doing the DX suck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going absolutely hog wild out there. That's oh, no, no, no. So I think we need a moderator. Someone needs to get booted for asking for a Naganu Derek Lewis rematch in the PFL. I mean, you no, know, no. You know what? He at that post fight speech, he's talking like I want to resign with the UFC, but if that doesn't happen, who knows? And I was thinking, oh, he wants to sign with the UFC. That's what he's gonna do. And then somebody reminded me that like, there's a two million dollar guarantee to step into the ring with Francis and Ganu. You you fight Francis and Ganu in PFL, you are guaranteed two million dollars. Is there one fight right now in the UFC that would guarantee Derek Lewis $2 million? There's not two fights in the UFC that would guarantee him $2 million. Not even yeah. three, probably not four. You yeah. actually, that's actually, um, damn it. I don't right? want that to make sense. I don't want that fight. Don't want to see it. Let me see if I can find the last time Lewis had publicly had a publicly disclosed payday. Uh, I'm sure it's a good amount, maybe five hundred thousand. Let's see, or like a two fifty two fifty situation. It's got to be something good. Like he's exciting. Yeah, he's definitely not making nothing, but you know, mostly fought only in Vegas and Texas, so. Let's see, he fought in Kansas in 2019 against Junior Dos Santos. Kansas, no, Kansas not declaring. I'm a little surprised by that. Kansas is always on the the cutting edge of, of letting everything out the door. I would absolutely respect his hustle if he went and did that. Yeah, I mean, because, too, you got to look around at PFL and say, Fuck, man. It who makes does sense. PFL have around that they should pay $2 million? Like somebody suggested anti a- anti Delia as like a potential fight for Ngannou. It was Randy Couture who suggested that, and it's like, no, nobody, nobody cares about watching Francis Ngannou fight anti Delia. Like that's yeah, no one knows who that is. People yeah. know who Derek Lewis, and I hate that this makes sense. Oh my gosh, so much time has gone by that I everyone has forgotten how bad that was. I know, I know, it was a terrible fight, but you know, it's also yeah, it's it's just like it's probably the biggest MMA fight available out there. So, question I mean, is, if I were Lewis, I'd go take that fight, get my payday, and then go back to the UFC. Oh, somebody's looked up a Derek Lewis, Lewis Volkov. Apparently that payday was publicly disclosed. Yeah. Okay. So that's 2018 though. That's two, but that's 135, 135. He's probably making closer to two, 200,000 a fight now, I would assume. Okay. So I was just say they regulate 250 maybe. Yeah, I mean, I expect him to be in that sort of Andre Arlovsky zone where Arlovsky's just been hanging around forever. He hasn't even been winning all the time, but that they just keep incrementally, slowly stepping him up to the point where he's making like four hundred grand a fight, you know. But um, 
Yeah, the only question then is, and this is this is actually the big would be the big wrench in that, is that the UFC they haven't been exercising it often anymore because after the whole lawsuit, it just kind of put a crimp in the UFC's style when it came to controlling fighters with extra contract crap. But I'm pretty sure they do have a year, like a year long matching period. I thought it was shorter than that. Now they have a 90 day exclusive negotiation period. And then I believe they have a year long right to match. Hmm. So they, if they don't want to waive that, right. And they've been waving it a lot lately. They, and, but this Nganu thing, that's a, that's a real spite situation for the UFC. You know, there's still ways around that. Yeah. Like what? PFL's launching PFL Middle East. They could go sure. do it in the Middle East. What the fuck is the UFC going to do about it? Two, wow. I got my two million dollars. They, they, they would sue Derek Lewis. You can't sue Derek Lewis. How are you hey. going to sue Derek Lewis? In what court? The Nevada court. They don't have jurisdiction no, on they, something they that have, happens over in the UAE. I don't think they, so. they would have. They would. They would have no. contract rights. It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't work like that. Dude. It There's, does. It, no, no. No. No fighters no can do, have done this and can do this. The only fighters that do that are fighters that then never live in the U.S. again. Where you'll see a guy go like, oh yeah, the UFC suspended me. I'm going to go fight in Russia because I live in Russia. Derek Lewis is going to bring his assets back to the US. Mm. The UFC can go sue him in the US. Um, I would not. If I'm Derek Lewis, I mean, I think somebody should. If Jake, we got somebody in the, in the chat asking, is Jake Paul the best MMA advocate out there? Jake Paul really wants to prove he's the best MMA advocate out there. He will fund a potential Derek Lewis lawsuit against the UFC. That would be real high-level MMA advocacy. Yeah, I also think that Dana White would let Derek Lewis go because he's cool. Not Dana. Dana might be cool too, but I think they're cool with each other. They they might. I think there's just a lot of spite with Ngannou here. That I don't. I think the backlash might be. Yeah. A sizable it's, for Derek Lewis. He took his pants off and said his balls were hot again. Yeah, he's no, huge I, again. He is huge. Doing that jump knee, Derek Lewis is as big as Derek Lewis has ever been. It's true. It's true. He, he man, what a last fight on his contract, and he comes out and does this it, shit. Ooh. It also has to be said too. There isn't actually really a next fight in the UFC for Derek Lewis, like. The only guy at the top of that division he hasn't already fought is Jerzino Rosenstreich. And, like, that's a fun fight. And John Jones. He's not fighting John Jones. He's not. I mean, no. He's he's not getting, he's not getting Tom, the t- Tom Aspinall? Did he-, he hasn't fought Tom, but he's not getting anywhere near a title shot off this alone from the UFC, unless they make, unless that's his stipulation to stick around. That would be if if you're Derek Lewis, that's maybe the kind of smart the smart deal you make is my next fight has to be a title contenders a title fight or a top contenders fight. Nah, smart man, the smart play is going to the PFL. It is, it is going Damn to the it, PFL. Ah. Oh yeah, the run slide. We didn't mention that. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. No, that was 
Hey, you know what that was too? That is one of the rare times in MMA that you will see a referee yeah. put themselves on the fighter that is hurt to check on them rather than the fighter that is doing the hurting. Mm-hmm. Because MMA is is such a in such a way, and you know the the ability to follow somebody to the ground and hurt them and continue to hurt them once they're already down really puts the emphasis on referees to have to go and stop the attacking fighter from attacking rather than to check on the the uh, the downed fighter to make sure that they're okay, which is one of the reasons we talked about it a lot. Like in Muay Thai, you see the refs right. like go out and try to jump and catch people. Yeah. You don't ever see that in the UFC. Well, and that's, I mean, there's two reasons. There's uh, multiple reasons for that. One of them, one major reason is you're not going to the ground in Muay Thai. There's no ground strikes. Yeah, exactly, grappling. Yeah. So like they don't have to worry about, you know, ground yeah. and pound coming, flying in at them. They can take the dive and try to protect yeah. the fighter from their head bouncing off the canvas. But, but yeah. it was a cool, it was a, it was a cool slide from Herb Dean. You, you don't, you know, you're not going to see it a lot in MMA because they're, like I said, there are several stylistic rules where every time I actually, I, I think like, man, why isn't the referee going to the fighter getting hit and like putting themselves there and checking on the fighter getting hit uh, rather yeah. than just letting them fall while they go and like stop the other guy. Especially when guys go unconscious from submissions yeah. and then they get dropped and the ref will just like let them fall and bounce their heads. And yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and, and, and like, I, I'm always saying like, why aren't you like pet protecting the fighter getting hurt? And then I see that happen in a fight, and you see the other guy just punching around the ref because the ref isn't. I was like, oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> like, it, it, Herb Herb Dean, he looked like he tried to. Uh, it looked like he he turned off the lights and tried to get in bed before it got dark in the. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the kind of slide he hit, man. Yeah, no, well, man, man he, was. He's no spring chicken, like no. That's some no. athleticism right there. Yeah, performance bonus. He's safe at home, no question. He needs a performance bonus for that. Yeah. For sure. All right. That brings us to our actually, if if Derek Lewis was my sadness hedge of the night where I got to be happy no matter what, and especially happy because Derek Lewis won, here's the just real sad moment of the night. Bobby Green, Tony Ferguson. There was like... On my notes here, I wrote sad three fucking times. Yeah. Three fucking times. That's how sad and uncomfortable I felt watching this. It felt like watching someone beat up someone's grandpa. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Not a, not a, not a I'm just glad bit. it ended with a submission, at least. I mean, unfortunately, it took three two rounds and four minutes and 54 seconds to end with the submission. But like, it's sad yeah. Shit. Ferguson, he for like two minutes. The first two minutes, you're like, oh, okay, Ferguson's got a little pop in there. He's nah, bullshit, not at all. He Never, dropped Bobby Green. What the fuck ever? Bobby was throwing a kick and got knocked over. That wasn't a knockdown. This is bullshit. He never looked great out there ever. He, he looked ever like looked great out there. A shell of his former self, Zane. Stop I know. I'm okay. I know. No, ever since that front kick. From Chandler, he has he's looked old. No, it's it was well before that front kick from Chandler. I mean, no, no, I mean like he physically looks like an old grandpa now. No, yeah, well, yeah, he that that looks, did looks rearrange. Old. It did wrinkle him. It it permanently must Tony Ferguson. 
Dude, this is this is maybe my least favorite tech sub of all time. Yeah. Least favorite. It, it just I didn't I mean you, you you'll have to go to like the ones where the referees don't realize the person's unconscious for me to find one I don't like more. We are in serious and it's unfortunately it's gone on for a lot more fights. But we are in serious Chuck Liddell territory where a guy just absolutely does not have it anymore and does not know they do not have it anymore. Like, just will not, under any circumstances, admit they don't have it anymore. You know? It's sad. It is. It is really sad. It's like trying to watch, like, an old dog get up some stairs or something. Yeah. I don't like seeing it. It's a, it's, it's a tragedy waiting to happen every time he steps out there and I'm fucking, I'm done. It's, I feel uncomfortable watching him fight. I'm just at any moment. I'm like, when's it going to happen? When's it going to end? How's this going to go horribly wrong? For yeah. Me? It's such a fall, a far fall from grace that it's just, it's, if he came in like this, if he came in like a bum, I'd have been like, oh yeah, whatever. But knowing what he was, to see him deteriorate so rapidly to where he is now, it's just uncomfortable to watch. I don't like Yeah. It. I remember too. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to like call my shot on this or anything, but I remember like back when he fought Josh Thompson, I remember being like, man, when Tony Ferguson's speed goes, this is all going to be really bad. Yeah. Because. He's always had a style where, like, he's always had, you know, you, you watch him, you're like, oh, this is, he does some funky, weird stuff. He's doing his own thing out there, but it works for Tony Ferguson. What worked was how fast he was, where he could do all this Wing Chun stuff, all these hand traps and stuff like that. And as long as he had all the, spo- the speed, it would be enough to get him through these harrowing moments he would often put himself in in his fights. And that speed, once that speed is gone, it's just all the harrowing moments, you right. know? Right. There's a reason that, that, like, there's a reason that the book exists on striking and why somebody like Bobby Green, who is so clinical, as he gets older, he's not just looking like a shell. It, you know, he does all the right things to defend himself. He does all the right things to... To, tr- to roll away from punches and stuff like that. Ferguson would like plant his feet and then try to roll three different ways. And you'd be like, that looks really cool. Nobody should do that. You know? And then the it speed- used, it used to look cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then the speed goes and you're like, this is why nobody should do that. Cause technique, it insulates you. It's just, not. It's not just the stand up. He was botching those Eminari yeah. rolls. Like that's no, disgusting. Yeah, like you, Eminari roll to getting hammer fisted into oblivion. Yeah, ah, that's so hard to watch. It really is. I mean, a the UFC should not be putting on his fights anymore. I'm Nobody not going to tell. Should nobody should. Nobody should. The commissions should not be putting him out there. I'm not going to tell him to retire because I don't know what Tony Ferguson's got going on in his life. You don't know. It's not, but I know. I know. I don't want to see him fight anymore. Right. Like if they put him back out in the cage, I might. I might watch it because I have to because I'm going to get paid to 
to cover it, but I don't want to see it. I don't even think I would. I think I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll boycott I'd, his next fight, honestly. I think I, just I might skip just it. skip it. Yeah. I swear like, to you, I'm not, I'm so uncomfortable with it. Yeah. It it just sucks. And that's the, you know, like it's not our place as fans or even media to tell fighters, oh, you got to quit. You got to quit your job. No, but it is it is our place as consumers to say whether or not we are happy or unhappy with the product. And I'm yeah, not happy to, with that kind of product. It is our place as fans and consumers to say, I don't want to see this anymore. You know, that yeah. is the that is the deal that we that we can make as fans to say, I was there for you when you were great, but I'm also not I'm not just gonna show up no matter what you do. You right. know? I feel like that's enabling in a way. Yeah. Like, but so. it's weird because I also want to be supportive. So now I'm torn. No, I mean internal being su- struggle here. Being supportive is not saying, "Hey, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta retire." Because, like I said, you don't know this person. You don't know what right. their struggle is. You don't know where they are in their life. But you can say, "Hey, man, I don't want to watch you fight anymore. Like that's no fun." You know. Yeah. That's. I think that's a, it, it's a it's a fine line between those two things, but I think it's a realistic line because you tell somebody, "Oh, you should retire," they resent that. You tell somebody, "Sure, you, sure, you fighting is not." Especially I'm not fighters. enjoying that, especially fighters. Yeah, especially fighters. And the thing is, like, why didn't the gloves come off after this? Why yeah, weren't they laid down in the octagon after this? Because he is full to the brim of belief that everything going wrong is a problem he has not solved yet. Worst part of the night, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Then we got another cool fight. Kevin Holland, Michael Chiesa, and man, hard night for Michael Chiesa because Kevin Holland looked this is the most prepared I have seen him look at welterweight. This is a Kevin Holland that Connor and I were talking about this on the Vivi that we just both felt has been kind of missing, which was that you would get these performances at Kevin Holland up at middleweight where like that fight against Joaquin Buckley, where, yeah, you could have wild, messy, fun, loving Kevin Holland, but every now and then you'd get like, clinical Kevin Holland, I am going to go out there and I'm going to teach you a few things because I know how to fight really well. And we just kind of got messy Kevin Holland, wild, messy, oh, I can bully people at welterweight Kevin Holland. And this was the first time I've seen him down at 170 where it was he just showed up and he was like, nah, I can actually just stop every single thing you want to do. No, nah, look professional. Yeah. This was a professional performance. His takedown defense was there. It showed up. Yep. That was that was the biggest surprise for me. And um, he did he did I, what you got to do against somebody who's only looking to wrestle, which is choke not him only out. did he not only did <laughs> well choke him out, but not only get your stance low, but keep your strikes low. You know, target the body. Use uppercuts. Do don't just stand. You see so many fighters. You see like Priscilla Cachoeira on the prelims against Miranda Maverick. You know you see, uh, I don't know, other fighters, Trevin Giles, Gabriel Bonfim, stuff like that, where you see a fighter who is just like standing tall 
in the face of an opponent who is looking to wrestle them and is headhunting while they stand tall. And it's just like, now all you can, all you can do now is try to faint and hope that you draw the shot out because you're not in position to stuff anything. The moment you throw your hands, you're going to be out of position to defend anything at all. And so Kevin Holland, he went out there, he was low, he threw low, and Kiesa just, he didn't have a chance to enter in on, on anything. Mm-mm. The power was too much on the feet right away. Yeah. Like right away, he was like, oh shit, I don't want to be on the feet. And when the takedown wasn't there, it was like, well shit, now I can't stand with this guy and I can't take him down. Yeah. Ugh, it just kept getting worse and worse. And I'm not surprised he got submitted. Kiesa yeah. is the best grappler that often gets submitted. Yeah, that this is very true. He does have he especially has an allergy to that Darth choke. Yeah, uh, didn't Luke got Luke Vicente Luque. I think he Darth got Luque. him with it, and uh so did Jorge Masvidal back in the day. Yeah, but, Kiesa, uh, man. Rough, rough go, man. He was he's yeah. been out with his back issues, comes back. Um, favorable matchup on paper, right? Someone who yeah. is, is notoriously just horrific with his takedown defense. Um, but man, he was <laughs> Kiesa was in for a rude awakening because the Kevin Kevin Holland that showed up has yeah. had a fi- a high fi Q and I don't think Kiesa was 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 ready for it. Holland was absolutely a dude who, in the back, you know, in most in his previous fights that he did so poorly with the wrestling, he would just stand tall and he would headhunt, and like, you know, and he would hop in the into the pocket from range, looking to swing short hooks a lot, and it would always set him up. It would give his hips away to his opponent. So, seeing this, this is a huge technical adjustment for him. Looked great worked great and uh yeah man rough night for kiesa coming back after two years just to have that happen i kind of can't help but wonder how sweet that broadcast position is going to start sounding for his long-term future oh for sure for sure tough break man because he looked great when he came back and uh, or he moved up to welterweight and he fought rda and looked great and and then just fell fell back off yeah, you know, but Holland, he's the story here. He's uh, he's going back up to middleweight so that he can eat steaks and have sex to cut weight. Yeah, as I he mean, says, Sean Strickland's been trying to get that sex up uh, to cut weight at middleweight for years now, and it hasn't happened yet. But one of these days, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. He looks so good tonight. I don't know why he wouldn't want to stay at welterweight. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. It does seem like this this fight would be a, a great opportunity for him to go out and fight somebody, you know, I don't know, who, who was at the top of the, damn it, I had the rankings wiki open, but like, there was definitely a, you know, bout out there, like Jack Dylan Maddalena, Kevin Holland. That's a great fight. I'd love to see that. You know? Mm, I'm not sure if I'm ready for for JDM to take that kind of leap. 
Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look that great in his last fight, but he's also ranked. Other or Michelle Pereira, if uh, you know Wonder Boy is not going to fight Pereira, he ought to catch yeah. weight. Oh yeah, shout out to Wonder Boy, by the way, for uh, refusing to fight Michelle Pereira, coming in super heavy. Um, rarely do you see this happen. Usually, guys just take the twenty percent of the purse or whatever and accept a fight and end up losing because they're fighting someone huge and size matters, especially when technique is somewhat equal. So uh, I like that Stephen Thompson actually took a stance just against the whole the whole botching a weight cut and. Uh-huh. I, I respect it. Weight cuts suck. I understand. I've done several weight cuts myself. They all suck, but I've always made weight. I, I don't have a high tolerance for people who miss weight, especially at that level. Like, there's no excuse. Yeah. We could uh, see Kevin man. Holland versus Paul Craig. <laughs> That's beyond fun. I love that. Um, so, yeah, he's down at middleweight. I'm also yeah. like I like a catchweight between Michelle and Kevin Holland. And Holland. Yeah, whatever. There, there are options for him. I'm have, gonna have fun seeing him wherever. I just like that he showed up with actually looking like a fighter who had planned how to not wrestle. You know, because this is a dude who has talked. He has talked about how much he hates people wrestling him for years, and has never been able to make that adjustment to like stop it. You know, this is, I think, in my, this might be the first time I've ever seen him completely command a grappler. Yeah. Like completely shut him up. Yeah. I mean, this this is a dude who went absolutely, absolutely nip tuck with Gerald Mearshart and complained the whole way while trying to take Mearshart down himself and like wrestling with Mearshart the whole time. And complained the whole time that it's Mearshart's fault for wrestling him. It's just like, <laughs> come on, man. All right, though. We gotta we gotta burn start burning through some of the rest of this. We've we've covered all the big stuff. But Gabriel Bonfim, Trevin Giles, not a surprise on that. Oh, somebody asked just just a quick thing. Did Wonderboy still get show money or t- for turning down the fight? Or did he get or he or turning down the fight mean he got nada? As far as I know, he got nothing. That's the he word should, on the street. He, no, he should still get his show money because he made weight. That, but that's the word out there is that he did not get his show money. Let me see uh, if I can find. If he didn't, that's fucked up. Let's see. That's yeah. that's a, that sends a bad message. We have a report from MMA Junkie from Mike Bond and Mike Bond is he's credible, you know, credible. He's pretty damn credible. I'm going to believe him. If he says, he says Stephen Thompson didn't receive his show money despite making weight for his canceled bout with Michelle Pereira. Is that, is that like he didn't yet receive it or isn't going to receive it? Well, I mean, I can't, I can't read into the, the cards that, that heavy. Good question. But my guess is that he my my guess would be that he got a deal to get another fight booked fast. Would be what my guess is that the UFC. So I've seen it at times where they will show they will throw fighters a percentage of their show money for mis- for a fight that gets canceled like this. Like here's five or ten grand or something. 
and say, okay, we're going to get you a fight booked on this card in the next two weeks. So it could be that for Thompson, but it could also just be that they got pissed at him for turning down a pay-per-view fight that they wanted for pay-per-view. Uh, that's that's dick. I hate that. Yeah. That's messed up. It's like, it's not his fault. Like, dude, nope. you, you weigh in, you should get your, your show money. It's Absolutely. happened in the past. Plenty of fighters have, have showed up, weighed in. Something happened with the other guy. They didn't get their, uh, or they don't get their win bonus, obviously. Yeah. But they definitely but they, get taken care of. Yeah. Well, I'm, I won't, I will not be, no, no outcome of that would surprise me. Thompson getting a little cash and a fight book quickly wouldn't surprise me. Thompson actually getting his show money wouldn't surprise me. And Thompson just getting absolutely screwed wouldn't surprise me. Like, no version of that story would shock, you know? No, true. Very true. <laughs> All right. Yeah. With Sam Bonfim, Giles, not really surprised there. Good fight from Bonfim. Giles has always been real allergic to sustained pressure, though. So I'm not surprised that Bonfim just absolutely buzzsawing him out of the gate had Giles in all kinds of trouble. Man, what's impressive is jumping an arm in guillotine and, and getting it. and getting the tab. That's yeah. bananas. Like that's hard to do. And uh I would I would actually chastise someone for even attempting it. But yeah, it doesn't seem like a great his, move. That's but, his thing though. Yeah. He called out Neil Magny afterward. I gotta admit I don't have any interest in that fight at all. <laughs> That's funny. I thought the same thing when he said it. I was like, yeah. eh, that might be boring, but all right. Yeah, I want to I want to see him fight Nicholas Dalby cuz I like Nicholas Dalby and I think he's a real t- he's he's a good veteran test in that division. He's been looking great in his second run in the UFC. Fight smart. It's a good bump up and then he can get up to, you know, a ranked bout one or two fights after that. So I would also say I wouldn't mind it all seeing. I don't think it would happen, but I wouldn't mind seeing them throw him at Gunnar Nelson if if they can lure him out of his semi-retirement. Um, th- he should fight uh, D. Rod Daniel Rodriguez. Sure, because... D. Rod just got booked though. Oh, did he? Yeah, he just got a fight uh, book with Santiago Ponzinibbio. Ooh, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but man, Bonfim, he rocked Giles with a yeah. left hand. But holy shit, that was the ugliest left hand I've ever <laughs> seen in my fucking life. That no, dude's I mean, striking is is it's like he went to the Drickus Duplessis school of throwing yourself at people. Of, of swanging and banging. Dude, he <sighs> Yeah. I mean it's funny because like he I I watching tape on him and his brother. I only think I think of his brother as like the way more technical fighter, but Gabriel Bonfim is the one with the perfect record, you know. Right. And he's just out <laughs> there. He's just he's got all the size. His brother he's he's a small he's small. His brother is small for a lightweight. Bonfim is huge for a welterweight, and so he's just going out there and beasting his way through people. It's fun. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a catchweight bout. CJ Vergara, Vinicius Salvador. This fight sucked ass. And I uh, don't think we need to talk about it. Moving on. Yeah. Was the worst fight on the card, excepting how sad that Tony Ferguson fight was. But we're, 
I'm gonna erase that from my memory. Actually, I feel bad that I even t- I even brought it up again. Made me. I was about bad. to say, why are you bringing that shit back up, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to kill the vibe. All right, all right. Roman Kapalov, Claudio Ribeiro, Ribeiro, and man, I love what Kapalov is turning up in now that he's had those couple of bad fights in the UFC early on, where he got ground out and he didn't look like he was showing up. And I was like, man. This dude was so much fun on Fight Nights Global. He'd had this really like systematic sort of start out with short, you know, tight combos and pick it up and escalate as the fight goes on and on. He's not just he just can't doesn't have the physicality to do that in the UFC. And he had he had a couple bad outings, but he has been showing up and he's been a, a ton of fun to watch. Man, his striking is just fantastic. This head kick was flawless. Absolutely flawless. We got a sick one in the main event. This one was better. It really was. This was fantastic. This is like, I mean, woo. (laughs) This was just so phenomenal. And I love how he he was going to the body so often earlier in the fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just, and there's the way he kicks, it's so explosive and so just tight and, and it's like he turns on a dime and even with the head kick, it gets all just so quick and crisp. Yeah. Everything, honestly, like he was picking like absolutely. Uh, like you said, surgery, you said he, someone was surgical earlier. That's like a good word. He is yeah. surgical out there. He's he accurate. Really. He's, he's sharp. I mean, he, he has some of the best striking I've seen in a while. Like, He's his game. He's when he picks it up and when he's on point, it's really good. It's you know, we the, the flaws are there on the defensive side. It used to be that he would kind of walk into that middle distance and start getting hit. He has he's kind of solved that problem, but you could still see when when Hibero crowded him and started throwing bombs at him, the back foot defense was is not nearly as crisp as the front foot process. But when he gets the chance to walk forward and set the pace. He is tough. He is a tough man to handle. And man for Hibero, what a mistake to have all that success pressuring in round one and then start round two immediately backing up. And it's like, what are you doing, man? You are walking. You, you, like every moment Kapalov was moving forward in round one, he was killing you. You can't start round two backing up. What was he doing? Being fucking tired at 4,000 well, feet yeah, of elevation. That too, yeah, yeah. Dude, he, he emptied his gas tank going for that finish early on. Yeah. Kopalov almost hit that that uh, A to B turn around and run away from your opponent move. Yeah. But, but no. he had some arc in it. It wasn't, yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't fully linear. No, so. he was not in the blackout. I don't know what's going on or where, my, where I am or who any of these people are around me moment that uh, – What's her name had? In the- yeah, what was her name? God damn it. Don't make me have to actually. You have to look it up. Chelsea. Chelsea Chandler. Yeah, Chelsea. Chandler. Yeah, Chandler. It was Chandler. Dumont Chandler. That fight. No, oh, yeah. Dumont Chandler. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was the sprint in the direct opposite direction. Yeah, Chelsea Chandler. Wow. I can't believe I pulled that out of my. We'll just call it going to Chandler. There we go. Yeah. Chandler, just almost that, but not quite. But hey, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And he did that, weathered the storm, and pulled out one of the sickest highlights um, you'll ever see. Yeah. 
Credit, uh, next one, Meltaweight Bout credits, Darius Flowers. He showed up a lot better than I've ever seen him show up in any of his fights before, win or lose. He has never looked that sold on his striking as he he did in the early minutes against Jake Matthews here. Mm -hmm. He poured everything into it. It was not something he was comfortable with, so it gassed the hell out of him. But it's a short-notice fight against somebody who has been fighting at a way higher level than you for a lot longer than you. You took the, you, you, you know, you flipped the coin, you went for it. Credit to him for trying it. Every, nothing went well for him after that. But, you know, I think, honestly, when you're in those kinds of short-notice fights for a lot of fighters, like, that's kind of what you got to do, is just go out there and say, okay, I'm going to try and I am going to absolutely see if I can put it on this person, jump out and get something big. No, I I absolutely dig his moxie. Like, yeah. he, he showed up. A lot of guys freeze under the bright lights, their debut, jitters, blah, blah, blah. Nah, he he understood the assignment. Yeah. And he used it. that little bit of a gas tank that he had to, to use up. He, he ran through it. And he put himself in some really good positions to possibly win early on. Didn't pan out, but that's okay. Took a took a uh, a pretty hard shot to the balls that for some reason uh, Joe Rogan, who I love by the way, this isn't a knock on Joe Rogan, but he got this it, one wrong. It could he be was, over. It could be a knock on Joe. He's been doing this for years. Every time he thinks a kick might have hit the inner thigh, or might have hit the belt line, or might have done anything other than been a straight kick right to the nuts. That is so obvious that anybody that people in space could see it anything other than that he's always like man i don't know i think that might be i think he might be overselling this one he's just like man if the foot hits the cup you just assume that the guy's balls are hurt you know it's not that hard he's like victim blaming out here like yeah He's faking it. He's let like, me see oh, you, man. Hey, let me see your testicles. Please yeah, show yeah, it yeah. down. Come on. Put them out. You get, if you're not willing to whip them out, I can't. How are we supposed to think that they're hurt? Man, I felt bad for the guy. It's like, man, yeah. you come out here on short notice. You give your all. You get hit in the balls in the second round. And now you got the commentating team publicly, like, saying you're a bitch and you're t- looking for an easy way out or you're faking it or whatever. It's like, no, dude, the replay clearly shows the heel going into the cup. Yeah. Just clearly. assume, just assume the balls are hurt. Nobody who's showing up to fight in the cage for a living. Like I, it is, I can think of like one hand, the number of times I've seen a fighter, a professional fighter in a fight being like, man, I don't really want to fight. You know, like, oh, I think I'll walk away from this while I still have a chance at winning. You see people give up when they are, like, thoroughly destroyed. And they're, you know, you're like, oh, man, this is, everything is awful. I am getting absolutely destroyed. I'm just going to tap to this choke when it goes in. You see that, Mm -hmm. sure. Oh, yeah. Because the body is quitting. Everything is quitting. But to just have somebody be like, oh, I'm just going to fake an injury to get out of this, like, I... That happens so so rarely. You know, Al Jermaine Sterling, what's up? Oh, ah, come on, you got it. You have to. You have to bring it's same ballpark. No uh, pun intended. Same ballpark. All right. All right. Yeah. 
All right. That, th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All sure. Right, right. You know, he's not for everyone. Again, I like Joe Rogan. I you, mean, yeah. He's cool. He, him not knowing what weight Roman Kapilov was fighting at was, you know, <laughs> that was his own other little moment. Anyway, anyway, welterweight bout, Uros Medic, Matthew Semmelsberger, and banger, banger of a fight, slobber knocker. Unfortunately, kind of another fight where Semmelsberger is having great success and then just kind of gets away from it and starts letting his opponent take over. Because he was doing really well, pressing forward, getting Medich on the back foot, dropped him early, going after him. Medich had that up kick that hurt Semmelsberger. And from that point over on, Semmelsberger, would, he would press forward at times and moments, had some good spots. But he was just clearly much more willing to stay out at long range. And even, I think too, this might've just been a cornering thing too, because you could hear his corner clearly telling him, stay at range, stay at range. It's just like, that's, that's the only place Eros Medich wants to be. You know, he wants you way outside at kicking range. I don't know that this is serving you at all. Well, Semmelsberger, of course, then I say that, and Semmelsberger grabs his opponent, you know, gets into the clinch with Medich late and then gets absolutely tuned up there. So maybe his corner knew something on that note too. But True. it just felt like a fight where Semmelsberger really had some early momentum and it all fell off. Honestly, I, I think it's it's um, his gift is also his curse. His gift is his athleticism. Yeah, like he's got that football athleticism, like that American football athleticism. It's a different. It's what what has carried um, um, o- Ovent Saint Peru through his whole career is, is that football athleticism, and Simmonsburger has that. So when he connects it and and he's fresh, he is extremely dangerous. But the cost is. You know, big muscles, big oxygen. He needs to use a lot of air to keep his engine running. You're at 4,000 feet of elevation. Yeah. You're just going to start slowing down. If you watch the fight, he just starts breathing. His breathing gets more heavy and more heavy and more heavy, like a lot of guys do. You know, it's a fight, but his is accelerated. He burns through his energy levels a lot sooner than most people because he's so fast twitch. So it's it's a gift because he hits hard. He's got power, but it's a curse because he can't sustain the same level, the same intensity for 15 hard minutes. Yeah. Uh, great win from for Medich though. That that last yeah. that finishing sequence was Dude. awesome. Spinning really back cool. fist, like the the whole the whole thing. Like it was. Yeah. It was really the body kicks. Like he was. Yeah. He was tuning him up. He he perfectly taxed the gas tank even more. It was a smart fight. He had to go through some fire, but yeah, the doctor showed up, man. Yeah, I'd love to see him in a fight with somebody like Michael Morales or maybe like uh, Brian Battle. You know, <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard you like put Brian Battle in a fight. Yeah, you know what? Battle has yeah. been showing up. I can't be. Yeah, I can't be down on the kid. I'm tough. May not be my favorite thing in the world. But he's finishing people out there. I, I, sure. 
you know? He's in that weird thing with um, Joaquin Buckley. Are they still are they still going to do that? Oh, I don't know. All right. But that brings us finally to our opening bout. Miranda Maverick, Priscilla Cachoeira. This is your moment, Eddie. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure Maverick was going to get a submission yeah. here. I thought it was going to be a rear naked choke. Um, Cachoeira, just not as sharp on the ground. No. So unless she was going to uh, find a way to get a knockout, which Maverick's no slouch on the feet. She got a pretty solid Muay Thai base. Um, I thought Priscilla was going to get um, choked out. Turns out she got hit with a textbook armbar, and it was it was a beautiful cooking. Beautiful cooking. I did like how much more – I like, you know, I didn't like Maverick starting out testing the striking early. Yeah, she wasn't having – she wasn't lacking any success. She actually did really well striking with Cashware, but I was a little bit like, man, we just watched you get beat up by Jasmine Jasutavicius because you didn't have – a game plan to handle her really. And do you have a plan? You know, the plan for Cashewara has to be obvious, but once she got that first takedown opportunity, it really seemed like the drive and everything really clicked for, for Maverick this fight. So that was good to see like her really just going after it and staying on uh, Cashewara and, you know, not letting the opportunities pass her by when it was there to take her down. So. Yeah, and and not relinquishing control. Yeah, uh, she she mentioned in her post fight interview how you know she didn't want to go for early submissions. Like she wanted to wait until the the perfect opportunity. She wanted to take the yeah. fight out of her. And I don't I don't think Cachoeira ever got back to her feet once she got taken down. No, it's a great fight for Maverick, and uh, gets her right back knocking in on the door that like. At bottom of the top 15 kind of area area so we'll see what she can get next all right back wrapping it up at the top justin gagey bmf champ future title shot out there for him gotta love it awesome awesome way to end the card a lot of highlights on this card couple of low lights but you know i always feel like every card the best cards you got to have that mix you got to go through all the emotions you got to go through those highs and lows you know, yeah, it, I could I could have done without the Tony Ferguson emotion. Sure, sure. That, but, that aside, everything else is, is but pretty following good. that Tony Ferguson horror show with that Derek Lewis flying knee, yeah. like you can't feel any happier. Yeah, for that moment when you hit that <laughs> high off of that low. Oh yeah, I got amnesia real quick. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, but we're going to be over on our on our Substack here in just a minute, doing a little post fight bonus or post show bonus. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, 
the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.